Thank y'all. Thank y'all. You know, it's such an honor to come. It's very humbling to stand up here before you women and speak. And so when I was given the subject of loving well, I said, well, Lord, you know what? You've given me a big family to love well. I have 23 grandchildren. I have nine great-grandchildren. I have 10 step-grandchildren. I have a church that we pastored for 37 years. 15 years ago, we turned it over to our youngest son, my church family to love. And then I have all of you to love, praise God. And so, you know, I was thinking about this message and, you know, it's not easy to love unlovely people, is it? But you know, God always brings the unlovely in our life as a test to see what we're going to do. And he's watching to see what we're going to do. And so from the very beginning, God's plan was to develop a people that reflected his character. And what is God's character? God's character is love. And so we are to love others, and we're to love others well. You know, we cannot love others like Christ without Christ. We have to have him in our life. You know, my family is very unlovely sometimes. I don't like them sometimes. I like my church family better than I like my biological family. You know, and sometimes I don't like my church family. You know, it's the way it is, but it's a test in our life. And the more we love Jesus and the closer we get to him, the more we're going to love people. And it's so true. Every kid of mine has a key to my house. My grandkids have keys to my house. My house is like a a hotel. I never know who's going to be there. I never know who's going to sleep there. I never know who's going to eat there. I just, I don't know. And you know what? It's amazing. It's a wonder. I'm shocked sometimes. You know what? Sometimes it aggravates me. Sometimes when Rod and I come in from a long trip, we drive up to my house and I have 10 or 12 cars in my house. I have... My swimming pool is full of kids in the backyard. They've eaten all our food. They've drinking all our drinks. And so it's a test. But you know what? I've made a decision that I'm going to love well. I'm going to love hard and I'm going to love strong. And then I just had the major test in my life. Hurricane Ida came along in August, and it was terrible. The winds were 165 miles an hour. We have $3.9 million worth of damage on our church buildings. One of our buildings was destroyed. Many people lost their homes in our church. My youngest daughter lost her home. It flooded again for the second time in 10 years. They all moved in with me. I had nine people live with me for nine, six months three dogs and a cat. Every day I woke up and said, Jesus, I commit this day to you. I will not go crazy. I will not cuss, which is my old nature, which I felt like it sometimes. Every day when I walked down the steps, her two dogs peed all over my house. Now my dog don't pee in my house. And then my grandson brought a cat, and we're not cat people, and I had to clean the litter box and feed the cat. And then I had to cook for all these people. But you know what? I loved well. I passed the test. I never cussed. I might have thought it in my mind, but I made it. Hallelujah. And you can make it too. 
no matter what you're going through, praise God. Love gets its hands dirty. We have to get our hands dirty when we love others. Love values other people, praise God. And I read this story this week as I was just contemplating on this subject. A missionary in East Africa noticed that groups of Africans would walk past the government hospitals and clinics and walk many miles farther to the Christian clinics. And one day he asked the missionary, he said, why do you walk miles to come to our clinic when the government clinics give the same type of medical treatment and maybe even, uh, you know, better. They said the reply was from the Africans that were coming to the Christian clinics. The medicine may be the same, but the hands are different. The hands are different. Our hands are different. And you know what? When we love people, we can change lives. Praise God. A person that doesn't have God in his life cannot give the same depth of love that we, that we can give when we have Christ in our life. There is a love that, that he loved us so much that he died on that cross for us. And so guess what? We can love because he loved us. He first loved us. If you want to better know him, just love him more and more and more. In Ephesians 5, 2, the word says, observe how Christ loved us. Love like that, praise God. Penny, can you get me a water? <coughs> you know, but when we see ourselves doing good, it uses, can you open it for me? It uses a higher level of our brain. Now, this is some scientific stuff that I looked up. I love to look up stuff like this. And, you know, I love the spiritual side, but I also love the natural side. So when we give ourselves to others and we do good deeds for others, it, it uses a higher level of our brain functions that trigger a neurochemical reaction in our brain. And you know what? It makes us positive. It makes us happy. And so you know what we tell people when they're depressed, when they're going through trials in life, when they're going through the storms of life, go give yourself away to others. If you give yourself away to others, I, God will do a miracle in your life. Praise God. This good feeling brain chemical is, is, is also known as helper's high. Helper's high. I never heard of that. You can Google it. Helper's high. In addition to boosting the oxytocin and the dopamine, it also increases your serotonin levels. Can you believe that? Now, you can go look this up. This is facts, I'm telling you. I said, Rod, this is facts. I said, the word of God is so smart. And I said, then they figured this out. But the word has been saying this for years and years and years. Lay your debt life down. Pick up your cross and follow him. And you're going to be blessed. Put God first. Put him first. And everything will fall into place. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And you're going to be blessed. I said, but these scientists, they find out these things. But it's amazing. And then it goes on to say that brain science shows us that our brain releases endorphins when we help others. Now, Rod always tells me when he wants to get cuddling, he wants to love on me and stuff, and I don't have time. You know, we're old. He's 82 and I'm 78, but we still hug a little bit and we still kiss a little bit. And he'll, he'll tell me, I need some endorphins. So since I read this, this is what I tell him. Rod, I don't have time to give you any endorphins. So go do something for somebody and you're going to get some endorphins. 
Praise God. So he says, well, I don't like that. I said, well, it's a fact. So anyway, praise God. But my subject is loving well. And so you can put that first uh, scripture up there in the Message Bible, praise God. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this was so amazing. Now look at this scripture. What is, the net, what is our, our, you know, our theme? Uh, Flourish, the ladies' network. What is the title that Penny gave me? Love well. Look at the scripture in the Message Bible. So this is my prayer that you will love and flourish and that you will not only love much, but love well. I was shouting. I was saying, Jesus, you just, that was like he literally spoke to me. Learn to love appropriately. And the only way we can learn to love appropriately, our family, our children, our grandchildren, uh, our co-workers, our church family, is to fall more in love with Jesus. And when we fall more in love with him, and we get that quiet time, and we read the word, and he speaks into our lives, it changes us, and it causes us to love and want to reach out more to others. And then the word says in John 13, verses 34 through 35, a new commandment I give you, and we all know that, love one another. So how important is love? Love is, a, is an essential thing uh, to create a, a place of healing and hope in the church. We live in a crazy world. We know that. We live in a nutty world. Just go out there and listen what people are saying, what they're thinking. They're scared. They're afraid. You know, uh, you know, I don't know what people do that don't have Jesus. I am so thankful that I found Jesus, and I love him with my whole heart, soul, and mind. And you know what? I cast every care on him every day of my life. If I don't, I'm going to be a wreck. And so as I cast my cares upon him, he pours his love into me, and then I can pour my love into others. And you know what? I can speak peace into their lives. I can speak joy in their lives. I can tell them it's going to be okay. I can tell them you can go through this thing. You can do this thing. This storm will end because I know that my father is faithful, that he loves me, praise God. So we all know what that scripture says, John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. He doesn't say, you know, you, you, I think you should love one another. You must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The world's watching us. You know, if we're mean and ugly and sour and look like we've been weaned on a dill pickle, we have no love in our lives. People don't want what we have. They want to see us happy. They want to see us full of joy. They want to see us with peace. They want to see us with joy. And I am determined no matter what I go through, I'm going to have peace and joy and I'm going to love others around me. Praise God. So I want to challenge each one of you women tonight. Put aside your self-centered ways. We can be self-centered. We can be selfish. We cannot want to go out there and love others. But you know what? We need to go out and love others well. And I'm going to tell you a testimony about this lady. We didn't even know her. Uh, 
it was a, a lady that came to our church a few times, and her mother was in the hospital. Her mother was a Catholic lady that really we didn't know if she was saved. She was fearful of dying, and it was one Mardi Gras day, and in Louisiana they give us off for Mardi Gras because they celebrate that as a holiday. And we don't participate in uh, Mardi Gras because it's demonic. You can look it up. It's demonic. So we stay home, and we cut grass or do something or go out and eat. And she called us, this lady that had been to our church twice. She said, will you come see my mother? She's dying, and she's so afraid. Well, we didn't feel like going. We didn't know her. That lady had been to our church twice. We didn't know if she was ever coming back. But what would Jesus do? We packed up. We got ready. We went to the hospital across the Mississippi River. And guess what? We prayed with her. We loved her. We said the sinner's prayer with her. We didn't know for sure if she was saved. You know what? She died that night. And Rod told her as we prayed. He said, angels are going to escort you into heaven. And she told her daughter, the angels have come for me. They are escorting me into heaven and I'm not afraid. But you know what? We could have been selfish. And we could have said, we're not going. We don't feel like it. We're tired. This is our day off. That's our human nature. But let's be like Jesus. Let's go the extra mile. And you know, if you do it, you're going to be so full of endorphins. You're going to be popping out of your skin. Praise God. The world needs love. And God wants to use us. He wants to use the church. He wants to use his bride to express his love to others. Praise God. We need to encourage other people. We need to comfort other people. We need to love other people. Because in 1 John 4, 7, the word says, God is love. You know, the name of our church back home is Lifehouse Church. And so we've said... That the theme of our church or the slogan of our church is love heals. Lifehouse Church. We want to be a healer. Our churches should be a hospital. It should be a place where people get delivered. They get saved and then they get delivered and then they get free and the shackles and chains be broken off of them. But the only way that'll happen is if we love well, praise God. You know, life is good. Life is good with Jesus. When we don't have Jesus, it's not good, praise God. But when we have Jesus, you know, life is good. 57, 59 years ago, I got saved. Now, I'm old. 59 years ago, I got saved. I came to Jesus. I was a little Catholic girl that was married to a Baptist boy that was as lost as a ball in high weeds, Rod Aguilard. He was a devil with four horns and two tails. Y'all that know him might not believe that, but he was. And I got saved. And guess what? God gave me the wings of an eagle that caused me to soar higher than I ever dreamed. My life totally changed. I came from a dysfunctional family. My mama was bipolar. She was an alcoholic. She was suicidal. I had been molested as a child by my grandfather. I was raised in the barroom, but God saved me. And I became a daughter of the king. And he changed my life. And he put so much love in me that it just oozed out of me, praise God. He gave me a testimony. He's given each one of you a testimony, and you need to share it with others. You don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. You live one life, only one life. When you go in the store, when you go to work, guess what? I lay hands on the sick in the store. I pray for them. I lead them to Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm only passing through this world one time, and I have love, joy, and peace flowing in my life, and I'm going to let it extend out to others. Praise God. I love my life. I love Jesus. I 
love how he fills me, even in the storms of life. You know what? And he'll only fill you with love to give out to others if you have a willing heart. If you're selfish, he's not going to fill you with love. You're going to be a miserable Christian. You're going to be saved and sorry. I don't want to live saved and sorry. I want to live saved and happy. And when you give out to others, the endorphins flood over you, and you're a different person because Jesus made you a different person. Praise God. Romans 12, 9 through 16, the words, in these scriptures, it reveals what love really should look like in our lives. We are a living sacrifice. Jesus died on the cross. He sacrificed his life to save us. And we are a living sacrifice, but we must die daily to our own desires and our own human nature so that we can be like Jesus. We need to choose his will and not our will. The theme of this scripture, these passages of scriptures, is love must govern all our relationships. Praise God. All our relationships, it must govern. And the, Paul has the recipe in these scriptures for love. He has 12 ingredients. And as we look at it, Romans 12, verses 9 through 16, the first one is love must be sincere. And that, the word says in verse 9a, let love be genuine. The word genuine means without hypocrisy. You know, it must be pure. I told Keith one time, Penny wanted a real diamond. Just buy her a fake one. She won't know the difference. And he did, and he bought her a real one. You know, that's hypocrisy, really, if he'd have bought her a, a fake diamond. But I teased him. I said, don't spend that money. I, I have a cubic. Look, mine don't look, hers don't look any better than mine. And, uh, but anyway, but that's hypocrisy. But the Message Bible offers this paraphrase. And Penny quoted this. I think she quoted this scripture tonight. Love from the center of who you are. And when you love from the center of who you are, if Christ is the center of your life, guess what? You're going to have much love to give. And then it says, don't fake it. You know what? It's exhausting to be a fake. Have you ever tried to be a fake and a phony? You know, when Rod went in the ministry, I said, I can't be a preacher's wife. He, we were Baptists. I got saved in a Baptist church. I said, Bastards, Bastard, Pat. Baptist pastors' wives sing in the choir. They're all school teachers, and they play the piano. And I was raised in a barroom, and all I could do is dance. <laughs> so I said, I don't fit in. And he said, well, I'm going to the seminary. So guess what? I had to fake it for a long time as a Baptist pastor's wife. But when we got the Holy Ghost, then I could dance. <laughs> so anyway, hallelujah. But, you know, it's exhausting to be a fake. It really is. So be who you are. People will love you for who you are. Don't be, want to be somebody else. Don't be, want to be like Sister Sue or Sister Blue or whatever. Be yourself. God made you like you are, and he loves you, and he wants to use you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. Let him use you. Just, just bloom, blossom where, you bloom and blossom where you're at, praise God. The second thing, the second scripture is love must be discerning in 9b. Abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. You know, God hates evil. 
And we must hate evil. God hates that war that's going on in the Ukraine right now. God hates the shedding of innocent blood of the babies. God hates sin that's in the world. God ha- we need to hate what God hates. But still we have to pray and believe God to change things. We need a miracle in our land. Praise God. Often we think that... Uh, Love must be discerning. Is love must be a love is a, a ooey gooey feeling, and 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 it, and it causes us to use lose our sense of right and wrong. No, love doesn't do that. We cannot love God and love evil at the same time. You know, some people, and even myself, sometimes I I, I have to tell the devil, no, I am not going to compromise. I'm going to be discerning. You know what? Some people used to shock some people. They look at it now, and they're not shocked. They hardly notice it. And you know what? Sometimes they laugh about it. God forbid. God forbid that we lose our discernment. Let us hate evil. Rod told me years ago, and I don't remember this. We're old. He's 82. I'm not quite as old as he is. But he said years ago in the movies, and many of you are too young to even remember that, they didn't even have a single bed in movies. They had twin beds. Probably, Carol, you remember that. That's how pure the movie was. the industry was. Now it has gone to pot. It is wicked. It is evil. You can't hardly watch anything, praise God. So don't compromise. Be discerning. And Amos, the word says in 514, do what is good and run from evil so that you may live. You have to run from evil because guess what? Evil is lurking at your door. The devil is like a roaring lion and he is crouched at each one of our door. And my son Stephen says this. He says, the devil knows what kind of candy you like. And he's there to give you your candy and cause you to trip up. God forbid, be discerning. Run from evil. And then the third third thing is love must... display tender affections. In verse 10, love one another with brotherly love. Paul uses the word Philadelphia. So I like to look up words in the dictionary. I looked up Philadelphia and it said it's a city. It's a, I mean, it's a state. And I said, well, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, it says that Phil, in, the, in the Bible, Philadelphia, Paul said in the Bible, Philadelphia literally means one born of the same womb. And so when we're born again, all of us Christians have been born from the same womb, from the same womb of God, through the new birth. Anyone who's saved, we got saved the same way. We had to believe, we had to confess, and we, that's how we got born again. And it means to be born from God's womb. We're to love all believers. And you know, isn't it funny how sometimes we can get cynical and critical about people that don't believe and act the way we act? We need to love all believers, praise God. We don't need to look down on anybody. You know, we need to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know what? We have the same thing in common. We're born again. God doesn't give in three different plans of salvation. He doesn't give an A plan for Protestants. He doesn't give a B plan for Catholics. And he doesn't give a C plan for everybody else. Born again is born again. And I'm telling you, people outside of non-denominational churches can be born again. And we need to accept that. And we need to love them. And we need to be their brothers and sisters in Christ. The born-again experience binds us together. And we are the church. 
You know, we don't need to isolate ourselves and believe that we got it totally. We do have a lot, but guess what? We need to respect other believers, even though they don't belong to our group. Praise God. The fourth thing is love must honor others. And that's verse 10. And the word says, outdo one another in showing honor. This goes against our human nature to honor someone else above ourselves, doesn't it? Now, some people just, you know, they have that gift just to love and affirm and honor people. But most of the time, our human nature doesn't want to praise somebody else. You know, we are the ones that want to be praised. And so I know Penny's going to love this statement. President Ronald Reagan made this statement. He had it sitting on his desk in the Oval Office. There is no limit to how far you can go if you don't care who gets the credit. We need to work together as a body. We need to reach our community. We need to storm the abortion clinics. You know, I heard a testimony from one of the girls, Christy, that was traveling with us today. She went to an abortion clinic in Jackson, and what they did is they got 20 women that had abortions, and they went out there on a loudspeaker and gave their testimony at the Jackson Clinic. They didn't go out there and holler and preach at them and tell them they were going to go to hell. They gave them their testimonies. And guess what? She said one uh, worker at the clinic uh, quit, and four babies were saved. That's love. That's love. So let's do that rather than going out there and hollering at them and tell them they're going to go to hell. Praise God. We need to, you need to, and then we need to do it as a body. And you know what? We don't need the credit. We don't need to be the one that gets honored. We need to do it as a body. Do it unto Jesus. And then the fifth thing is love must be enthusiastic. And that's verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, the word says. Serve the Lord. So Paul is challenging each one of us. You know, we go to a ball game and scream our head off. Scream our head off. And then we go to church, and if somebody's screaming, we look at them like they're crazy. Well, they might have just got saved and been delivered from drugs and prostitution and no telling what. We don't need to be critical. We don't need to be critical. We need to be zealous about our love for Jesus. We need to be unashamed. We need to work as hard for the Lord as we do our job or we work and play. We, the Amplified Bible says, and it says it well, never lack in zeal and an earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit serving the Lord. Burning, it says. We need to burn for Jesus. We don't need to be a log that's cold and laying there with ashes. We need to burn with Jesus, praise God. We need to burn for Him. And that means, burning for Him refers to a boiling pot. We need to ball for Jesus. We We need to be a flame for Jesus. You know, the Word says, don't be lukewarm. What does it say when we're lukewarm? He will spew us out of his mouth. So we need to be a bawling pot for Jesus. We need to be saved and we need to be glad. We don't need to be saved and be sorry, praise God. You know, the world isn't moved by half-hearted Christians. They're watching you and they're watching what you're going to do. They're watching what you're going to do. They're watching you at the workforce. They're watching you in the grocery store. They know who you are. They know who you are. But praise God, you need to be a flame for Jesus. They're not going 
going to want to serve Jesus if they're looking at your life and you're a fake and you're a phony, praise God. If you look like the world, if you smell like the world, and you act like the world, and that's how a lot of Christians really live, nobody really wants that. They want somebody that's genuine. They want somebody that can speak to the demons, that can speak to the mountains, that can cast out devils in Jesus' name. And when you're full of Jesus, you can do all those things. But when you're full of the world, you can't do those things. You have no power to do those things. I have power to do those things. I can tread on serpents. I can speak to mountains for people. And that's the kind of people that the world is looking for. The king's business requires haste. So we need to be a flame for Jesus. And then the sixth thing is love must be patient. And that's verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. I am not patient in tribulation. I hate tribulation. I hate storms. I hate trials. And you know what? We stay in one all the time. Rod says, I don't know what God's trying to do with us. But he said, we stay in a storm. I left and we, ha- we were in a major storm. But it says to be constant in prayer. And we are constant in prayer. We go through our house. Devil, we bind you in Jesus' name. We pray for this one. We pray for that one. We, we have a grandson that's off right now. We bind the devil that's attacking him. You know, we pray day and night. We go to bed. We agree together. We call things that are not as though they were. And that's what you have to do. You have to war. You have to learn to be a warrior to make it. If you don't learn to war, you're going to be saved and sorry. So you need to rise up and join the army of God. We are women of God and we are going to take it by force in Jesus' name. So behind those three phases lies the hope of the Lord's return. While we wait for Jesus to return from heaven, we must be patient in hard times, constantly praying, and rejoicing in hope for better days to come. Chin up, on your knees, down praying. And that's how we win the war. Praise God. And that's how you'll win it. Verse number seven is love must be generous. And that's verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints, the word says. The word translated contribute is a, ver- a, is a verb form of the word uh, kianoa. I think that's how you say it. To share with others, that's what it means. It means sharing in the hurts and heartaches of others. And it also means opening up your pocketbooks like we did tonight and giving to a need. And I'm going to tell you a story about a young woman, a sad story, that came to our church She's only been saved for a month. She, can't, she goes to the same hairdresser that I do, and the hairdresser sent her to us because her husband died, a very young man, 39 years old, died of a seizure. She had no money. Her home had been destroyed by the hurricane. She had two children. She had no family. Uh, her mother was a drug addict, grandmother dead. He had no family. She had no money to cremate him. She wanted to cremate him. It was going to cost $1,800. So she was devastated. Her, his body was in a morgue. His body had been in a morgue for a week. Her name's Sarah. She came to our house about a month ago on Tuesday night. We led her to Jesus. She wept and wept and wept. We said, we're going to help you. We're going to get your husband's body out of that morgue. You're going to get to cremate him. You're going to do, you're going to, this is going to get done. We made the appeal before the church, uh, just a few people. We got the, his body out. His body was cremated. She's still coming to church. Guess what? That's being generous. That's showing love. That's loving well. And sometimes we don't want to dig in our pocket. And even 
someone told me in my family that works for the sheriff, oh, Aunt Mary, y'all don't need to do that. Y'all don't know. We said, and I, so I called the coroner and I, I, I asked him a few questions. I said, we're going to do this. It doesn't, you know, there's some, there's, it's, there's some shady stuff, but we're going to do it. You know, uh, he might have been on drugs in the past and what have you, but we're going to do this to help this woman. She is so grateful, so grateful. That's showing love. And that's what we must do to help others. Praise God. And the eighth thing is love must pursue hospitality. That's verse 13. Seek to show hospitality. Hospitality means showing kindness to strangers. In the first century, I just want you all to know, church, that they didn't have any holiday inns. They didn't have any Hilton inns. They didn't have any Hampton inns. As Christians travel to and fro to share the word, they stayed in each other's homes. Paul didn't go to the uh, airport and check in airport Marriott. He had to stay in somebody's house, praise God. So guess what? All the years, many, many years, people stayed in my home. They stayed in my home. And sometime, one time, a whole family of seven people drove up, and Rod forgot to tell me they were coming. And when you have, three, when you have five kids living in the house and a dog, and you're, the sheets need to be changed, the, the house needs to be swept, it needs to be almost had a nervous breakdown. I said, you go take them to eat, and you stay for three hours eating, and then I'll get the house clean, and then you bring them back. But they cannot come in my house. So you pastor's wives that are here, you don't know what us old timers went through. I don't know if you went through that, Carol, but everybody stayed with us. We had no motel rooms in Laplace, Louisiana, and Reserve, Louisiana. Everybody stayed with us. I thank God for motels now, praise God. Even though I still do have a lot of people stay at my house, praise God. But, you know, we must have hospitality. Our people need to come in our home and feel the peace of God there. They need to feel the love of God there. They need to feel comfortable there. If you have a life group or a cell in your home, they need to feel welcome. They need to feel the warmth. They need to feel the love of Jesus. That's the spirit of hospitality, praise God. And that's what you will have the closer and closer that you get to to Jesus. And if you say, not my will, but your will, God. Praise God. And then... The ninth thing is love must be kind. Bless those that persecute you. Whoa. Bless and do not curse them. I feel like cursing them. You know, I was such a cusser way back. That was my life. I didn't drink or smoke, but I cussed like a sailor. And you know, that old human nature, when I get under pressure, if you're not careful, that old human nature wants to come out. But you know what? I bless my enemies. I bless them. I bless them. I bless them. Even though I feel like cursing them, sometimes I bless them. We will all be persecuted. We will all be hated. We will all be mistreated. We will all be misunderstood. We will all be lied about. We will all be gossiped about. Penny said that today. Uh, you know, and we'll all be hurt deeply, especially those of pastors. If you're a church member, be kind to your pastor and his wife. They need love. We get hurt so much, praise God. The devil hates us. But you know, he hates us, and he tries to hurt us through people and our family and, and, and people in the community and whatever. But, you know, hurt leaves scars for a lifetime, and only Jesus can heal those, those hurts. But it is hurtful when people hurt you. Sometimes the attack comes from your own family, the ones closest to you, and we've had that happen. You know, it comes within your circle of your closest friends. It comes from within the church. But you know what? You have to keep your eyes on Jesus. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus, because if you don't, guess what? You're going to stumble and fall. 
You have to keep your eye. People are going to disappoint us. People come and go, and they do at churches. That's just the life of a church. They come and they go, and some people stay. But some people come and some people go, and you have to release them, and you have to bless them. That's what the Lord would want you to do, praise God. You know, uh, your enemy, I'm going to say something that you, it's going to sort of shock you. Your enemy is a gift from God to you. Joseph said it in Genesis 50, 20. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Our enemies humble us. They keep us on our knees. You know, if we never had any trials, we probably wouldn't pray much. We probably wouldn't cry out much. If we lived on the mountaintop all the time, you know what, everything, we wouldn't have no need for God. So, you know, that's why we stay in a trial, because we stay on our knees. You know, so our enemies humble us. They keep us on our knees. They reveal our weaknesses. They, you know, your enemies, those that come against you are going to reveal what's really in your heart. You know, it's going to show your heart. And then they expose our total need for God. Our enemies expose this. I know that when people come against me, whether it be family, church members, people, People that I know in the community, you know what? I need God. Or guess what? I can get ugly. I can get ugly if I yield to my flesh, but I'm not. I'm going to love well. Often God allows an enemy to rise up against us just to see if we really want to be like Jesus. We get tested. And guess what? You'll never quit being tested. Just when we think we've arrived, guess what? Another enemy is going to come on the scene, and you're going to be tested again. You know what you have to do? You have to forgive them. You have to bless them, and you have to release them, and then you've got to put your eyes on Jesus. You can't look at them. You can't, you know, have unforgiveness toward them. You can't have ill feelings toward them. You can't, you know, wish that they would, you know, uh, not make it in life. You can't do those things. Our human nature would want to do that. But we have to bless them. I heard Joyce Meyer say this, and I, pastor's wives appreciate this. She said, when a church member leaves your church and goes down the road and starts a church, you need to buy them a sound system. I said, no, I ain't going to buy them no sound system. I want to go blow the church up. <laughs> you know, and then I said, no, Lord, I repent. I repent, Lord. You know, but, you know, that's our human nature. You know, they take half your congregation and go a floor box down the road and start a church. Praise God. Let God deal with them. We got to let God deal with them. And then number 10, love must show sympathy. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those that weep. And, you know, we can always weep with people. In fact, we just had a terrible situation happen. One of our favorite people in our church, a deacon in our church, he's been there 45 years, fell off a four-wheeler and um, got caught on it and ended up dying. We have to do the funeral when I get back. And so I can weep with his wife. They loved the Lord. They were the perfect servants. They did everything. If somebody was sick, they ran to them. They brought food. They went to the hospital. You know, we just don't understand in this life why things happen. I told Rod, there's so many wicked people out there. Why couldn't it happen to somebody else besides Forrest? That was his name. And you know what? My heart broke for their family, praise God. So I, I, I weep with them. And that's the people when my daughter committed suicide. That was the first people that were at my house. And they cleaned up the room that she killed herself in with all the blood and everything.
And so that's the type of people they were. But you know what? I can weep with them. But we need to rejoice with those that rejoice. And sometimes we don't want to rejoice with people. We're jealous that they got that $300,000 house and we still living in our old house. And they got a new car and we don't want to rejoice with them. And they got the job that I applied for. I ain't rejoicing with them. You know what? You need to rejoice. If you rejoice, God's going to bless you. Our human nature wants to be jealous. Our human nature wants to be negative. But we have to rejoice when those that we know succeed or get things in life that they've prayed for. It's like, you know, I heard Joyce Meyer say that she had prayed for something. Oh, a fur coat. She said she prayed for this fur coat. Y'all ever heard the testimony? She said she prayed for this fur coat. I I think she's so funny because I think she reminds me of me. But anyway, she prayed for this fur coat. And she bleed God for this fur coat and her friend got it, the fur coat and she didn't get the fur coat and she said I'm a better Christian than my friend I do more than my friend you know I'm, that's before she was big and popular way back you know and that's how our human nature wants to react well why did they get that I mean, I, you know, I've been at church for 50 years and I've been tithing for 50 years, you know, but we can't, we have to rejoice when people rejoice and we have to weep when people, you have to get involved with people. You have to get involved. Don't sit, stand on the sidelines and do nothing. I've had people tell us, y'all ought to do something about this. Y'all ought to do something about that. I said, well, if you got the burden for it, why don't you do it? But, you know, it's true, you know, but we need to get involved. We don't need to stand on the sideline. When people go through a hard time, you need to be there for them. You need to be there for them, to love them well, to help them get up during the hard times. When our daughter committed suicide, listen, listen, I thought my world had come to an end. My God, I mean, I hope no one in this room ever loses a child, and some of you might might have. But, but you know what? I wept until I couldn't weep anymore. I wept until I, I, I thought I was going to die. I, I wept until I told Rod my heart's going to explode in my body. I don't think I can take it. I don't think I can live. But you know what? The body, the body came by to us and they showed us sympathy and they were there bringing food and they were there serving us. I had people live at my house for three weeks. I almost had to kick them out. I, you know, I... I you know, they loved us. They cried with us. They wept with us. People drove from thousands of miles. David Hogan, that was in the bush country, drove from Mexico to come and spend two hours with us and then drove back to Mexico. You know, it was those people that sympathized with us. They loved us well that helped us get our healing. When people love you well, that you get healed. And God wants you to comfort people with the same comfort that you've been comforted with. And I'm going to tell you a story about an elder in our church this just happened it's you know life is not fair he's been an elder he's the there's two men that are left in our church that were there before we ever got there and this is one of them him and his wife lost their son 14 years ago to drugs they have three children two years ago their 36 year old daughter she was 34 got stiff man syndrome no, if you ever heard of it, but one in one million people get stiff man syndrome. And it's a, it's, a, it's a sister to Lou Gehrig's. Well, it killed her in two and a half years. We buried her after th- this Christmas. Her, the elder has Parkinson's, and they have a third child that is cerebral palsy. But you know what? They're serving Jesus. They're loving God. I look at them and I'm amazed. But it's the body of Christ that has come by them and loved them well. And they're getting through it. They're getting through it. They have, they have, 
they have eight grandchildren that are left without parents. And so, you know what? I look at them and I think, my goodness, they would not make it if it wouldn't be for Jesus. So everybody needs a church family to love them well. And I read this. I think it was uh, Lance Wallenew that said this. He said, if you don't have a church family, guess what? You're an orphan. You are an orphan. And a lot of Christians are orphans. You know what? Because they don't have a church family. They're saved. But they don't have a church family. So those Christians that are not in church, somehow we need to get them healed, to get them back in the body, because they're, they're out of the body for a reason. We need to be, sympathize, not be critical toward them. Love them, pray for them, get them back in the body that they can belong to the family of God, praise God. And then leaven, love must live in harmony. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. And you know, it's not easy to live in harmony all the time with everybody. But if you have Jesus in your life, you can do it. The word harmony implies a beautiful symphony, a collection of instruments playing on the same page at the same time, even though they don't sound alike and don't play the same notes. Just like the church as a whole. We don't all look alike, thank God. We don't all sound alike, thank God. We don't all think alike. But there's a harmony of things that unite us that is greater than the things that divide us. So love your brothers and sisters in the church. Love them. Love them well. Praise God. And the last one is number 12. Love must show humility. And that's verse 16. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Don't be a snob. Conceited means wise in your own thinking. Jesus was a friend to all men. He associated with all. He associated with the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the drunkards. He was a friend to all. Love heals. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, and you all know this scripture. What if I could speak all languages of humans and angels, and if I did not love others, I would be nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I do, I do not want to be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Whoa. It keeps no record of wrongs. Are you keeping a scorecard? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. And love always perseveres. Love never fails. And so who needs to flourish and love well tonight? And you can put up that scripture, Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11 again. And you can start that song. And I heard this song two weeks ago. We had an NRP pastor's wife die. I don't know if y'all read it. Angela sent the note out. Uh, Ann Amerson from McGee, Mississippi. And I heard this song at her funeral. So... I just want you to stand and I just want you to search your heart tonight. And 
And if God's dealing with you tonight, if you're not where you should be, if you have bitterness in your heart, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if you are not where you need to be, you're not flourishing, you're stuck, you're not loving well, I just want you to come up to the altar. And the altar may be full and we'll just do a mass prayer. We're not going to pray over everyone. But I just want you to come up if you feel like you're missing the mark. Thank you, Jesus. Search our hearts. Lord, we want to be clean cups. We don't want to be dirty cups. We don't want to have things in our lives. We don't want to be a fake. We don't want to be phonies, Lord. Let God search your heart. And if you're not where you should be and you're not walking in all these areas, God wants to touch you. He wants to change you tonight. He wants to make you what you need to be. He wants to make you the woman of God. He wants to make you a warrior. But if you have things that are blocking you, you can't become the warrior and the woman of God that he's called you to be. You can't flourish. You can't love well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, we all fall short. Oh, Lord Jesus, we can all be envious. We all can be, let our human nature take over, Lord, in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, help us to love well. Help us to flourish, Lord. Help us to be what you've called us to be. You have a plan, Lord, but we have to work with you. We have to empty our cup, Lord. We have to become clean. We have to hate evil, Lord. Oh, Jesus, do that work that you need to do in our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're touching each one of these ladies. Lord, you're causing them to be genuine. They're not phonies. They're not fakes. Lord, you're causing them to be discerning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, you're causing them to be tender, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, you're doing that work. They are going to honor others, Lord, above themselves. Lord, I just ask you to cause them to be enthusiastic about you. Cause them to be cheerleaders for you in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to help them to be be patient. I help you to ask you to help them to be kind, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, let them have the spirit of hospitality, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I break every shackle and chain. I break every spirit of condemnation that comes against each woman, Lord, that holds them, that causes them to be stuck and they can't go forward in the name of Jesus. Lord, I break those shackles off of them in Jesus' name. Let them look to you and, Lord, let them become like you. Let them commit to, ha to getting before you daily, to having a devotional life, to, to letting the word, Lord, cleanse them daily. Lord, that they'll become the women of God and the warriors of God that you've called them to be, Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you and I praise you and I worship you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Penny. That was amazing. That was just amazing. Well, you all can stay up if you want, but if you want, I'm going to be kind of dismissing us into the next portion of the evening. But you know, it's funny, I was looking as, as Miss Mary was sharing, and I was just looking at our graphic, Flourish. Did, did you see that the, the word hour is in the middle of flourish? You really can't flourish unless it's about hour about us and I really appreciated that whole concept of loving well and loving people we truly are God's ambassadors aren't we
Why would he choose us? It's amazing, but he does. Okay, so I just want to give you some um, housekeeping instructions. I have a few things, so hang tight. First of all, make sure that you visit the merch table. I saw a great line going on. They've got oodles and oodles of fun things to buy, hoodies and new t-shirts, and this year's conference, Loving Well, a t-shirt that says Loving Well, I might, that's brilliant. I was so excited when I saw that, and it was in the groovy font, you know, I loved it. And then the water bottles and the totes and everything. So please go check that out. Uh, tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., the doors open. And please um, go check out a couple things. We've got two cafes running. One it, at the end, if you saw the white tent, that is Harvest uh, Honduras Cafe. And they're going to have gourmet breakfast items tomorrow. All the money that's uh, they get from this weekend for that cafe is going to go to the missionaries that are going to Honduras. And Susie said there was like, what, 90? Did I hear? How many people are going on that trip? 90? 95? That's amazing. That is incredible. So you will be blessing them and helping them to do that. And then there's also the, the house cafe um, Ethne Cafe, and the proceeds go to um, Roar, correct? So again, all this is going back into the kingdom of God, and if you go to that one, you're going to get those yummy specialty coffee, you know, candy coffee drinks. So I encourage you to go visit that as well. Um, our next session tomorrow morning then starts at 9 a.m., and if you notice, I'm not going to explain it tonight, but if you notice that on your name tag, you will find uh, the number for session number six tomorrow is your table number. So please make sure that you're wearing your, your name tag, not only because of the great schedule on the back, but then you'll know what table you're going to be going to for that session. The cleaning crew asks us not to leave our stuff behind. They're going to go through, bless their hearts, and just refresh the room for us. And then I guess uh, one of the most important things is bathroom locations. I'm not sure how many of you have discovered that yet. But if you were to go out these doors and to the left, there's bathrooms. Um, there's, they're opening up both the men's and the women's for us. Thank you, Father, for that. And then as you go around, um, you'll see the garden area. You'll, you'll go past and through the doors of the garden. And not only will you be going in there tonight for refreshments, but then there, if you go down that hallway, there's signs everywhere with maps, by the way. So I encourage you to look for the signs, but there's more bathrooms over there. So after um, I dismiss you, we're going to go out these doors, again, past the cafe and then through the garden doors. And then there's a beautiful spread for you. You can get your food and you can visit and fellowship there's elbow room, um, so please take advantage of that. And then lastly, I, we just, um, you know, um, Brother Keith is an amazing man of God, and he's a real protector too. And so he just asked us to share this with you guys as well. You know, um, God has given me an opportunity to get back into the world after being a pastor's wife for so long. You know the, the Christian lingo, you know the Christian culture, but then, and it's, you know, you we're really in a bubble sometimes. And then you get back out in the world, and it's a little different, right? They don't think like us, they don't act like us. And so he just encouraged us to have discretion during the week as we are on our mountaintop. When we leave the property, have a little discretion, watch 
out for each other. You know, don't be walking through parking lots alone and get to that ho- that hotel room together and just do a little bit of that. Of course, we know angels are all over this place and they are with us all weekend. But, um, you know, that little father heart of his is like, you just, just make sure those girls are watching out, you know, for each other. So we're going to do that as well. So I'm just going to pray a blessing over you. And again, out the doors, take a right, go into the garden and enjoy uh, some fellowship. So Father God, we thank you for this evening. You are so, so good. And our declaration is every good and perfect thing comes down from you, the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning. So Lord, I pray blessings on our fellowship time. I pray blessings on those that have prepared this for us and are serving us this night. Get us back to our rooms safely, and we pray for sweet, sweet sleep, as your word says that you give your beloved sweet sleep. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, ladies, have some fun, and we'll see you in the morning.